Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The following podcast contains explicit language. Monday, you met with the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein. Right. Did you ask for a recommendation? Uh, what I did is I was going to fire Comey. My decision, it was not... You had made the decision before they came uh, in the I, room. I was going to fire Comey. He asked them for their recommendation based on the conversation that they had on Monday. Oh, I was going to fire regardless of recommendation. So there was a waiver. My understanding is that this was an independent decision. If it's possible, would you let me know Am I under investigation? He said, you are not under investigation. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the White House where the flax hide in the bushes and honest public servants try to blend in with the curtains. Donald Trump's. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So I think it's great news that we have a special prosecutor investigating Donald Trump. And I'm really pleased that it's Robert Mueller, who's a person of obvious integrity. But I worry about special prosecutors. I worry that they take too long. The Iran-Contra special prosecutor was still going after six years into a third presidency. I worry that they take issues off the table and give everyone an excuse not to comment. I worry they have too much unaccountable power. I worry they can lose perspective and that they often prompt the commission of trivial crimes when they can't prove an underlying crime. And I worry that the incentives for special prosecutors are wrong, that they always have to indict somebody to succeed. And I've got the perfect person to talk about all the problems with special counsels today. I'll be back with Jeffrey Tubin of CNN and The New Yorker right after we do the tweets. With all of the illegal acts that took place in the Clinton campaign and the Obama administration, there was never a special counsel appointed. This is the single greatest witch hunt of a politician in American history. Getting ready for my big foreign trip will be strongly protecting American interests. That's what I like to do. My guest today is Jeffrey Tubin. He writes about law for The New Yorker, and you've probably seen him doing the legal analysis on CNN. He's also written a bunch of books, most recently American Heiress, The Wild Saga of the Kidnapping Crimes and Trial of Patty Hearst. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, Jay. Hell of a week, right? Beyond belief. 
Well, you know, the reason I wanted to talk to you, Jeff, was about the special prosecutor. And w- when Mueller was appointed, I immediately thought about your first book, Opening Arguments, which was about working for Lawrence Walsh, the Iran-Contra independent counsel, and uh, helping to prepare the Oliver North prosecution. So I thought, Jeff's a journalist who knows what goes on inside these investigations. And I thought we could talk about what might be happening as Mueller gears up to get this one going. Well, you know, it certainly has brought back those memories. You know, I was one of the very early hires in the Walsh investigation. I was also perhaps, and I think, the junior member, so I don't want to give the impression that I was making decisions. But... um, we we had this very temporary office in a retired judge's chambers in the the courthouse in Washington and you know it it really is difficult to start from scratch even even with a, an existing investigation in it and you know it, it's just these things take time and this will take time it'll take a lot of time i mean well walsh didn't he go for like seven years or something like that. I mean, I remember the end of the first Bush administration, he tried to go after Casper Weinberger like on the last possible day. I think you were long gone, but that was incredible. I was gone, yeah. And I think, you know, uh, that plus the Starr investigation has has contributed to a, a lot of skepticism about special prosecutors. It's why the independent counsel law, the Ethics and Government Act, was allowed to expire and it's never been renewed. If you recall, there were so many during the Clinton administration, often on trivial issues that went on for, you know, tremendous amounts of time at great expense to the taxpayers, to the people, you know, the citizens involved. So, so I, I mean, I can't say I'm a huge supporter of these investigations in general, but I think this case illustrates why you, why you still have to have them under certain circumstances because, you know, when you have the president directly involved in something that may be criminal, you just can't have the Justice Department investigating it. So so explain, as some people understand it, but not everybody does, the difference between a special counsel, which is what Mueller is, and an independent counsel, which is what Walsh was. I mean, is the only difference essentially whether you can be fired by the president? No. The, the other difference is how you're appointed. The Ethics and Government Act established a three-judge panel who, on their own initiative, hired the independent counsels. And the special counsels are hired by the Justice Department, by Rod Rosenstein, who was who the acting as, as attorney general because Jeff Sessions is recused. And so the supervisory element, to, this, to the extent there is any, comes out of the Justice Department as opposed to this three-judge panel. But in terms of day-to-day operations, there really isn't much difference. Just as Starr, just as Walsh, you know, operated like a, a you know, the, the, an independent investigator, I am sure that Mueller on a day-to-day basis will have absolutely nothing to do with the operation. I mean, Mueller is really going to call the shots here. In practice, do you think there will be political interference? I mean, in an ideal world, you're in this kind of insulated bubble where no one can or does interfere. But, you know, in reality, 
first of all, we know Trump's going to be tweeting about how awful and unfair this is, and he'll be trying to create public pressure to the extent he can. But I think we know at this point that Trump's a guy who will pick up the phone and yell at you and maybe fire you if it's in his legal power to do it. Right. I, I, I don't. I think the, the the likely point of conflict is not going to be sort of over firing issues. Uh, you know that, that they're going to try to fire Mueller, but but the issue I think is going to be access to evidence. You know, Starr had to go to court several times to get things like Secret Service records. You know, the Clinton administration fought him on some of those things. Uh, I remember in the Walsh investigation. You know, we had to get. Uh, National Security Agency material, and they are notoriously and understandably reticent about disclosing any of their own material. That certainly will be a point of difficulty for Mueller, getting all the evidence about surveillance of Russians and Russia out of the NSA, a very time-consuming, very contentious, and could wind up in court and once you start with these court battles over evidence, that's when the months start to pass. And that's why these investigations, at least one, that's one reason why they tend to take so long. Yeah. Now, you've taken the position, and I agree that a special counsel isn't enough. We need a real congressional investigation. But if that happens and you have a select committee or however it's done, you do have this conflict between the public investigation and the confidential investigation that's supposed to result in prosecution. That's why Oliver North never went to jail, right? Because the immunity they gave him to testify in public ultimately made it impossible to make a conviction stick in court. Exactly. And, and the only good thing I can say about that is that it is, it, the precedent was so bad and so toxic and so full of frustration to, for all concerned that everyone's aware of it going in. This is not like a conflict between good guys and bad guys. Criminal investigators and congressional investigators have different jobs and different priorities, and it doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong, but they necessarily or, or they often can lead to conflict. For people with good memories about Iran-Contra, you know, Congress really wanted to know, did President Reagan approved the diversion of the money from the arms sales to Iran to the Contras in Nicaragua. And they thought that was potentially impeachable. And, and John Poindexter and Oliver North were taking the fifth. And they said, look, we got to get this information. And if it hurts you, well, too bad. And, and you know, I, I understood that, even though it was frustrating to us. What, what I think is different. And by the way, we still don't know the answer to that question, but go on. We, we, we still don't. I mean, you know, there, there are many hypotheses, but I, I, I think what's different here is that the Republicans in charge of Congress are not really that interested in finding out what happened here. And I think you are going to see the Republicans use the Mueller investigation as an opportunity to slow walk the congressional investigations into meaninglessness. I think, you know, the, the Senate Select Committee on Watergate, the, the Iran-Contra Committee, which was a joint House-Senate committee, you know, they were serious and they were really wanted to get to the bottom of things. I don't think Mitch McConnell gives a damn about this investigation, and he'll be happy to say, well, we're deferring to, to Mueller, 
which will basically try to bury this thing um, for, for quite some time. Yeah, you can already hear it. Let's let the special counsel do his job and they'll, they'll, they'll reach a fair conclusion sometime during the next administration. Absolutely. You know, it's very transparent, but it could really work because, you know, the, the Republicans run the show in Congress and the Democrats, you know, can't really do anything about it. So but would you say don't give Flynn immunity? I mean, if you don't give him immunity, he will testify and take the fifth and not say anything or the, one might predict that as a, as a likely outcome. If you want to know what happens, what ha- happened, you do probably have to compromise the ultimate prosecution to some extent, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is, you know, you're pointing to the real nature of the controversy. And, and here's where time matters. If I'm Mueller... The first thing I want to do is get a handle on as much of the story as I can, which means get the documents, get the intercepts from the NSA, and see, you never want to just bring in a wit- an important witness and immunize them without knowing everything you can about the surrounding facts. So if I'm Mueller, I want to get all of the emails. I want to get all of the records of Flynn's contacts with the Russians before I make any decisions about immunity. That's going to take time. And so, I mean, that, that just shows how these things drag on because, you know, even, even the most aggressive prosecutors, you know, you can't just snap your fingers and get access to all, this, all the evidence you need to make a sound judgment about something like immunity. I mean, another criticism that's made is, is that the special counsels or independent counsels end up usually going after the pettier crimes they can't get they can't get you on the big stuff so they end up going after small stuff and very often causing the crimes to be committed in the course of the investigation you know like scooter libby the crime is lying to investigators not whatever the underlying issue is and it's like uh you know what's the what's the illness you there's a name for the kind of disease you get from going to the hospital it's like you get prosecuted because because of the prosecution yeah, which which is one of many many reasons lawyers always want to tell their clients just don't say anything. Um, to the extent you can, you, you'll never be prosecuted for perjury if you never testify under oath. Um, now, if you get immunity, you you, you have to. But you know, there, there really is very little percentage in cooperating, especially in a case like this. And I think this is important to say. It's not clear what the criminal offenses are here, even if you believe the worst about the Trump administration. I mean, this is not like the Watergate break-in where there was, you know, a break-in, which is clearly a, a crime at, at the beginning. Collusion between Russia and the United States and, and the Trump campaign, well, unless it was aiding and abetting the hacking by, the, uh, by WikiLeaks or, you know, that led to WikiLeaks, I think it's certainly worthy of investigation, but it's just worth pointing out that, you know, it's not there's – no, there's no crime in the United States Code of, called collusion. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to see which, which – um, which is yet another reason why public disclosure may be of, of more value than criminal prosecution. I mean, there's a crime called treason. I mean, helping a, a hostile foreign power interfere with an American election – I, I I don't have much doubt you could find a statute to prosecute that under if you found evidence for it. But I agree with you where we we honestly don't know if there was an underlying crime at this point. Absolutely. And, and, and I think critics of Trump sh- should 
keep that in mind, that oh, there's lots of bad behavior in the world that is bad without being criminal, and, and collusion may be one of them, maybe one. And you may have a cover-up without a crime, right? If, if Trump just thinks this looks terrible, which it does, even if he didn't do anything, he may have done things that amount to obstruction, like firing James Comey, even if the, he, uh, he ultimately didn't have anything that terrible to hide. That is often the pattern in Washington scandals, that people in power panic, start lying, even though th- th- there was no underlying crime. But I worry with special prosecutors, you know, and in the uh, under the category of uh, being being fair to people who who may have done bad things and you you may dislike intensely. I worry that the special prosecutor just has an incentive to get somebody. You know, you don't succeed as a special prosecutor by writing a report after two years that says ah, nobody actually did anything. You succeed by getting your man, whoever that man is, bringing a case, winning a case, you know, and that's why in so many of these special investigations under Clinton and and under other presidents as well, you know, there just seems to be this never give up quality, even when you ultimately are pursuing something very minor or very trivial. That is certainly one of the risks of independent counsel. I have a special prosecutors. Another is simply the time and resources. You know, I, I was also an assistant U.S. attorney in Brooklyn, and, and one of the things that you do as an assistant U.S. attorney is, in, and you do it, you know, obviously with your bosses and with uh, the, the people who run the office, is like, you know, we can't spend forever on a case. In terms of time or money, you know, we have lim- there are limited resources. You can't spend six years investigating a single crime. Is it worth it? When you are an, a special prosecutor, you only have one crime, alleged crime, and you only have one set of targets, and you, only, and you have an unlimited budget. That has a distorting effect in and of itself. And I, I don't know if there's anything you can do about it other than have people in charge who have really good judgment. And I certainly think Mueller you know, goes in with a terrific reputation. But just the fact that you assign a prosecutor's office to one set of facts has a distorting influence in and of itself. And that's something that having worked in both areas, you know, worked in the Iran-Contra prosecution, but also just as a regular line prosecutor, that ha- that's very noticeable, the difference. Right. So, so Mueller is, you know, everyone thinks he's a, he's a Boy Scout and he's the best imaginable person for this job. But everybody needs supervision. Who can effectively supervise him? Because these examples, I mean, I remember, especially from the Clinton years, you know, there was a there was a special prosecutor for Bruce Babbitt. I mean, he was like the cleanest guy in politics. Like every member of Mike Espy. Cap- Mike Espy. I mean, the, 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 you know, it was no. That's the, Henry the Cisneros. They ended up persecuting him over a relationship with his mistress. It was like it was like nonsense, you know. And it went on for years. And this can destroy people's lives. And the people caught up in it are very often not the big fish who are the ultimate targets. They're some little person who they're trying to squeeze. Um, exactly. And, you know, that, that absence of perspective, the, the one reason why the independent counsel law w- was so reviled and why it was, you know, with, with, w- it was opposed by Democrats and Republicans is that there was a triggering mechanism for the appointment of one that was so, it was such a low bar that it led to these wildly inappropriate and excessive investigations. Now, 
you know, it's it basically it's left to the discretion of the attorney general or the you know who's who's acting as attorney general in this case. And frankly, I think that's better because um, there's more of a, a reality check. And, and you know, it can lead. And we obviously had controversy leading up to whether. Uh, Rosenstein would name someone about whether whether that threshold has been met, but the, clearly the the Ethics and Government Act threshold was too low, which led to things like SB and Cisneros and Babbitt, and was just awful. Yeah, you don't seem too worried about Trump trying to f- fire Mueller, but he can do it, right? I mean, if that is the Saturday Night Massacre scenario. You you demand that the Deputy Attorney General fire the special counsel, and in Nixon's case, Archibald Cox was a special counsel, not an independent counsel. And if he won't, you go down the line until you get to Robert Bork, until you get somebody to do it. Was Is your view that he already had a Saturday Night Massacre with Comey and he just politically could never do it again? I, again, you know, want to express my, you know, humility about my ability to predict what <laughs> Donald Trump will do. I certainly didn't, I, I didn't predict, I think a lot of people, and I would include myself, you know, didn't think he would ever fire Comey. Uh, although, you know, it was a possibility. I just thought he'd never do it. Firing a special prosecutor is so firmly entrenched in American history with the negative example of the Saturday Night Massacre in 1973. I, you know, I, I don't think Trump will do it, and I am not particularly worried about it. But, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not prepared to say uh, it'll never happen because I just, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I have not been very good at predicting what Donald Trump will do. I've been speaking to Jeff Tubin of CNN and The New Yorker. Jeff, thanks for talking to me about this. Thanks, Jake. Trumpcast was produced today by Jordan Bell. Sitting in for the vacationing Jason DeLeon. Jason, wherever you are, I hope you're having a nice vacation. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. June Thomas is the managing producer. And our engineer today was Afim Shapiro. Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of the Panoply Network. And John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Trumpcast.